lots and lots of spoilers. Previously on Max Mike Movies. Max and Mike had forgotten how much they hate time travel. Worse, Mike has discovered that he has a long-lost evil conjoined twin that he never noticed growing out of his back. Ah! And this same evil twin, Egbert, has been scheming to take Mike's place at Conbrownco, the septic tank cleaning company to which Mike has dedicated his life. Meanwhile, Max has awakened from his coma with no memory of how to use a salad fork and an uncontrollable craving for radishes. What will become of Conbrownco? Will Egbert succeed in taking Mike's place only, existing as part of his ribcage? Will the boy rise? Will the sun rise? And what about Naomi? For answers to absolutely none of these questions, tune into this week's episode of The Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, and time travel. <laughs> what are you on? I don't know. <laughs> I want some. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, Edge of, of Edge of Tomorrow, 2014. Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but we have last week's poll question to discuss. That was, what movie would you like to see turned into a season or multi-season TV show? We got a lot of responses to this, so I apparently feel very strongly about this, and I don't know what to make of that. Um, People have from thoughts. Aaron Perez. Harry Potter, each book could be a season. I gotta go, I, I, that's a good idea. Because yeah. you could actually delve into the depths of it. Uh, my problem with the movies is they're very surface. Mm. Geneva Brunetti says, an unfortunate series of events, though they did make a TV series, and it's way better than the movies. So I believe that. Maybe she just wants a better one. <laughs> Angelo Pazzales said, World War Z. I think Brad Pitt was in it. It sort of reminded me of the 80s series V. I'm sure Brad Pitt would be delighted to be compared to Mark Singer. Well, who wouldn't? I'm going to call you Podo and you Kodo. (laughs) Uh, Mike Dance also, aside from Harry Potter, I I think the Star Wars Christmas special (laughs) should have have been an ongoing TV series. I want to know more about Chewbacca's son. Is it his son? Do we know Lumpy's gender? Lumpy. I'd really like more adventures with Lumpy as well. Maybe watch him bully some Ewoks. And definitely want to watch Chewie's dad view more weird alien porn on his VR helmet. We just need more of that in everyone's life. That's what Life Day is all about, you know? By the way, this is entirely Mike's fault for inflicting this on poor, unsuspecting Mike Dance. Otherwise Mike, known on as... behalf of all of us, we're sorry. Uh, no, we're not. Uh, the Weasel is... That is the Weasel. The Weasel claims to be a Star Wars fan, and I counter with, if you're a Star Wars fan, you need to see everything, and that includes the holiday special. And No, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Uh. And for the record, he didn't even make it halfway through, because when we got to Starship, and we, he saw the counter... And I told him it was 90 minutes. I was like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I meant it's two hours. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> so we never even got to see uh, Maud sing. Or, uh, uh, yeah. Is that a tear, friend? Uh, <laughs> Steve Kellner says, Serenity. Very funny, Steve, because that, of course, was a movie based that was sprung whole from the television show Firefly. Well, I'm guessing what he meant was that the final finale was sort of rushed into a two-hour movie, and it should have been like a second that is, season. That makes sense. Yeah, it really was kind of rushed. 
Uh, Jamie Kleinert says, The Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings Hobbit movies. Oh, dear God. Disney take on Narnia. I know there are more, but I can't think at this moment. And always, Serenity. Oh, this is another Serenity vote. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Schleiss has another vote for World War Z. The Brad Pitt movie was horrible, not a good adaptation of the book, which was just written to be a miniseries. Mm. Point. Mm, neat. Uh, Tyler Stewart, also Harry Potter. Then the kids would have grown up in real time. Mm. Uh, they kind of did. I sort mean... of. Uh, Richard Tatum, The Irishman, just shy of four hours long. It has a lot of problems, but I could have stomached the whole thing better if I was able to watch it as a miniseries. That's not a bad point. <laughs> what uh, point? Char- How should I know? He's French. <laughs> no, he's not. Char- Charles Forsyth says Dune. But it actually was done as a series by Sci-Fi. Yes, I vaguely remember it was really boring. The series, <laughs> three two-hour parts, where it was coherent and interesting, and included tons of stuff missing from the Lynch movie, and likely will be glossed over in the Villeneuve film. The major shortcoming was the low budget. The sets looked like sets, the costumes looked like costumes, and the special effects looked like Student Video Club did them. Ooh. But take the same script and get... Give them an HBO budget, it would be great. Interesting. So basically, it looks like an old BBC production. <laughs> kind of. Don't push me over. <laughs> Exterminated stuff. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Cooper, I think I would have enjoyed the adaptation of A Wrinkle in Time more as a miniseries, maybe four to six episodes. Hmm. I remember the book being somewhat episodic, so it would work out nicely. The Netflix movie Bright, starring Will Smith, was terrible on multiple levels. Orcs rule! But- but the whole concept had a lot of potential, and I wish it had been a series with roughly the same concept, but a completely different director-showrunner. It had a lot of elements from the late 1980s, early 1990s, cyberpunk, shadowrun, era of stories, games, the dark and dirty future where magic and technology exist in parallel. Hmm, I hadn't thought of the shadowrun connection, but that kind of works. Shadowrun, for those who don't know, is an RPG that was this kind of perfect moment in time, back when it looked like most of cyberpunk stuff could happen. And then basically technology said, no, we can do these a lot better way. And so that most of cyberpunk won't happen because we kind of went past it. Uh, but, it. But Shadowrun, initially not a very playable system, admittedly, just was like, it really just got it. And it would have been really cool to see something that just embraced that. Uh, Mike's Janetto Je- clone, Valerie Coons, says, tough question, which... With most of my favorite movies, a big part of the magic is imagining what happens next. Perhaps Howl's Moving Castle, though in addition to, rather than instead of. I see like a series follow-up. Jaws might make an interesting miniseries. I disagree. Jaws... So talk about another little perfect moment. This is early Spielberg, and I gotta say, yeah. I this tend is the to first like blockbuster. Yeah, I tend to like early Spielberg better than I like later Spielberg. That film is really two films. There's on the beach, on the mainland film, and then there's the guys in the boat film, and they work together great. Yeah, like I mean, there's I I can't I mean. The only thing I can say about Jaws is there's a couple of moments where you might go, yeah, the shark looks a little fake. Otherwise, I got nothing to say about that. It's a great film. Yeah, that is cinematic, almost perfection. And I don't know that I'd want any more or to, to like, I don't need to delve into the backstory of the lady who slaps the mayor. You know, <laughs> maybe she has daddy issues. I don't care. So it's I, an interesting idea because the book is actually pretty long. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff in the book that doesn't make it into the movie. Oh, did you read the book? 
I did a long time ago, uh, mm. Peter Benchley. It, it, it's okay. Mm. I honestly think the movie is better. Ooh, a rarity. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Reisman says, Batman. Batman. <laughs> Most franchises would be better as TV, really. Uh, who wants to tell him? Batman or Spider-Man would benefit more than any other superhero from a TV show format. And yes, I'm aware there has been there have been live-action Batman and Spider-Man TV shows, but we can all agree that they really aren't they aren't really the tone or quality a TV show would be today. Well, that's true. There have been an awful lot of Batman shows. Gotham, I think, is the most recent that I can think of, or maybe uh, Batwoman. My guess is he means probably live action as opposed to cartoon, because yes, yeah. there has been a giant passel o Batman. Uh, but I think you will agree with me that the only real choice for Spider-Man was Nicholas Hammond. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> right off his uh, his amazing uh, performance in uh, Sound of Music. Um, I can't think Absolutely. of anybody that embodies Spider-Man more than Nicholas Hammond. And who is Nicholas Hammond? You may ask. Uh, what's the next answer? <laughs> uh, that's it. That's all of them. Oh. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And there will be loads of bumpy bucks for all of you. Yay. Uh, and we have a new poll question. We do. We will, yes, we will, as usual, tell you how to answer at the end of the episode. I forgot to study. What movie do you think should be protected by state, federal, and church law from ever having a remake made of it? You know, What movie do you consider any movie untouchable? Like The Untouchables. <laughs> What about Ape Law? And Mike is fired again. (laughs) But now, we get to trivia. The show. Edge of Tomorrow, the budget, 178 million. Yeah. Yeah. Worldwide gross, 370 million. (sighs) So, it was, it made some money. It is not, it was not considered a towering success. Hmm. This is based on a Japanese manga, which is based on a novel. Only three characters from the original novel made it into the film. Cage, Rita, and Farrell. Although all three are very different than their original counterparts. Surprise. A character mentioned by Rita, uh, Hendrix, shows up in the novel as well in the same position she mentioned, her commanding officer, but he's never seen in the film. He's only talked about. By the way, the film takes place in the distant future of Last year, 2020. Oh. Yeah. Well, they got that wrong. (laughs) The default language for Cage's battle armor is Japanese, which is a nod to the novel's country of origin. (laughs) Wow. Not much of a nod, is it? Because he's obviously like, why doesn't this work? I can't get this to work, freaking Japanese. (sighs) Uh, It's never stated in the movie, but in the manga, and I have to say this also struck me watching it, the reason Rita carries a friggin' sword is because during her resets, she'd often run out of ammo, which would result in her death. Cage also learned about the convenience in the, in the manga. Uh, the character in the manga, by the way, is Keiji. That's why he becomes Cage. Also learned about the convenience of a melee weapon and starts using one. Uh, uh, so, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not you. But during the car chase with the minivan, Emily Blunt was instructed to drive really fast and then take a right-hand turn so the van would shake. However, Blunt missed her mark and drove the car right into a tree. Ah! Yeah, she later said it was both hilarious and terrifying, and she almost killed Tom Cruise, who was in the passenger seat, and then they both started cracking up. Damn you, Emily Blunt! I'm sorry, that was cruel, but... So close, yeah. (laughs) 
Tom Cruise did all his own stunts. Doug yeah, Liebman said he could make a career out of it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, when Emily Blunt's character, Rita, is introduced, she is doing a planche or plank hold. You know, the thing where it's a yoga move, you're stretched out, you're holding yourself up just with your hands. Uh, she needed a wire for help on the long takes. She can actually do that maneuver without help. Back when she was discussing the, when they were talking about the introduction, one of the cast members said to her, hey, Em, show that yoga move. And she did it. And they said, okay, we're using that. Well, she's showed up three times now, twice for this series and once in our drive-in special. And one of my notes was, after this, I honestly believe Emily Blunt can do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, she can do Mary Poppins. And she sure. Yeah. Uh, now, there is some confusion about this film's name. <laughs> Gee, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because some people believed it was originally Live, Die, Repeat. Mm. Okay, strap in. Oh. Uh, after the rather... The box office failure, because, yeah, $370 million is considered a failure. It did turn a profit worldwide. Its marketing strategy was changed slightly for the DVD release. Uh, in this case, on the front of the video box, the film's tagline was really heavily emphasized, with the title Edge of Tomorrow in small text at the very bottom of the case. As a result of the packaging, it gives the illusion that the film's title is Live, Die, Repeat. That's the tagline. Uh, Warner Brothers maintained that the title of the film had not been changed and that Live, Die, Repeat was only the tagline, but this appears in front of Edge of Tomorrow, not just on the cover, but on the spine of the packaging and even on the discs. Well, I gotta... the, rental, the rental company Redbox has the film listed under the letter L in its kiosk for Live, instead of A, E for Edge. Well, I was going to say, when I went to rent this film, the various places that had it for rent, it was under L, and it was listed as Live, Die, yeah. Repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, rinse, rinse lather, repeat, whatever. <laughs> uh, Emily Blunt was pregnant during the filming of this movie. Did she know? Tom, not initially. Tom Cruise oh. was one of the first people to find out about it. They had to return a few months after principal photography to do some uh, pickup shots. And uh, during the months in the, between the two shoots, she got pregnant and was only a few weeks along when she had to come back. And because of the pregnancy, she wouldn't do her own stunts for this portion of the film, but she didn't tell anybody why, because her pregnancy was still in the early stages. You don't tell people the first trimester. Cruz got really confused about this because she had done all her own stunts in the principal photography, and finally she told him, making him the only person besides her husband and one other friend to know about the pregnancy. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Tom Cruise, say what you will, he's very much, he's a pro, he's kind of a method guy. He didn't want the exosuits, the, the so-called jackets, to be too CGI, so it'd be more real to the audience. He showed up two months early to research and develop the suit. He thought its weapons were fun and cool. Emily Blunt, however, was not ready for the fact that the suits weighed 85 to 90 pounds, and the armaments added another 120 pounds. She got so worn out trying to wear this, she started crying at one point. Wow. I just know. Just stop. You know, I bet he got those plans from Xenu. I, um, we'll get to that. Uh, Operation Downfall, which is the, the uh, name the movie gave the uh, planned invasion. I thought it was the name of the movie. Yeah, well, no, that, that was the result of the movie. Yeah. Was, in fact, a real planned invasion. That was the, fi the planned final invasion of Japan ended to end World War II. It never happened on account of, you know, boom. Yeah. 
Uh, during the opening credits, and I, ca- I missed this the first time, I caught it the second time, Cage is making a statement. He's doing this whole uh, build-up on Operation Downfall, and the, the background behind him keeps changing. One of the shots is the NORAD Command Center from War Games. Oh. Yep. It, okay. It's the exact shot. Oh, Max? Yeah? Would you like to play a game? Yes, let's play tic-tac-toe. Um, I know a whopper. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And you're fired twice in one episode. A (laughs) follow-up to this film is in pre-production. As As of of tomorrow, tomorrow? (laughs) No, no, I I like this. As of March 2020, there's no release date for it, but it is supposedly called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. I think it should be called Lather, Rinse, and Repeat. Just no. Doug Lehman, the director, and Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt are all slated to reprise. Sigh. Yeah. Uh, in the first beach battle scene, Master Sergeant Farrell says, Here they come, mean as hell and thick as grass. That's a quote, or it's a reference to the Battle of Rourke's Drift during the Zulu Wars of 1879. Wow, what a great thing to quote. Oh, yeah. When the Zulus arrived to attack the British position, the lookout supposedly yelled out, here they come, black as hell and thick as grass. Nice. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Uh, F.B. Paxton. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And when Rita comes out of the hangar in the skeleton-painted battle dress, a soldier exclaims, look, it's the full metal bitch. And Rita hits him and knocks him out of the way. Good. The actor playing that was Sebastian Blunt, her little brother. Oh. <laughs> well, good for her. <laughs> yep, she gets to knock around her little brother. I'm sure that was a fantasy. Oh. And uh, there, there's more, but why? Now with extra Xenu. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you would uh, take the plot. Uh, all right, c- hang on. If you can cut out as many of the rehashes as possible, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to decide. I want to describe how many times each scene happens and what uh. happens in each version. Flying saucers sighted over Hollywood. I mean, sorry, I mean, aliens have invaded Earth. A terrible, unstoppable menace known as the Mimics, who savagely taunt the way we dress and talk. And okay, I I, I don't know why they're called Mimics. They don't really mimic anything, but still, they're unstoppable. But who can stop them? Why, Tom Cruise, aided by the power of Xenu. Cruise plays Major Cage a PR specialist with no combat training or experience who ends up dumped on the front lines in what is essentially a suicide mission. Sure enough, he dies within moments of contact with the enemy movie over. Yay. Or is it? Oh. No, it isn't. Mm. Because Cage suddenly wakes up the day before the massacre to find himself reliving the same day again and again, dying every time he lands on the beach with the enemy, but progressing farther every time as his knowledge of what's going to happen allows him to anticipate the enemy's moves. He soon finds he's not alone in this strange ability. Rita Vrataski, also the war hero known as the Angel of Verdun, understands what's happening to Cage as the same thing had happened to her. She knows that the mimics have, in effect, a temporal reset button that lets them start a day over again using their knowledge of the future to defeat their enemies. Can Cage and Vrataski use the Mimic's own weapon against them? Can humanity be saved? And what's the deal with Bill Paxton's mustache? (laughs) Edge of Tomorrow. The Lowdown. Edge of Tomorrow. 
first off, I would like to give you credit for boiling that down into something as short as you did. Yeah, it's a very convoluted plot. Yeah, and we will get to the the time travel part a little later on, because there's so much else to talk about. You brought up one of my first points, which was mimics. And at first I thought, I forgot, I I saw this when it came out, and I forgot. That'll tell you something. Um, And I was like, oh, mimics, the cheapest aliens ever. They look just like us, but they're aliens. No, it isn't. uh, There's literally no reason to call them mimics. No, they basically look like kind of a collection of metallic dreadlocks. They look like an angry mop. That's what they yeah, look like. Yeah, like a really angry cl- old-style mop with glowy yellow or blue stuff. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Uh, so our main actors in this are Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And again, I have become a big fan of Emily Blunt. She's just yeah. awesome. She can do anything. Oh, she had to use a wire for some of the long... I don't give a crap. I can't do that. I could never oh. do that. And she was potentially even partially pregnant when she did it. Um <laughs> I liked her character. She was a badass and they never, thankfully, and I don't know whose choice this was. They never did that. Wow. For a woman, we don't need it. She's that character is a badass. Doesn't matter that she's a woman. The fact that she's a woman is that's just the character. They didn't call attention to it. And I'm glad they didn't. It's one of the few things I liked about this. movie. One of the other nice things, they don't overly sexualize her. There was apparently a scene that they cut where she's supposed to be crawling around in her underwear. No. And they just, they said, no, we're we're not going to do that. Tom first. Yeah, yeah. Although he usually doesn't seem to have a problem with that either. Um, <laughs> hey, we get General Mad-Eye Moody. That was nice to see. Yes, yeah, that- <laughs> yep, yep. Brendan Gleeson, nice to see him. Yeah. Does he, uh, so we know we're safe. He's fun to watch as always. And I got to say about Tom Cruise, there's one, there's a, a kind of unusual thing about his character in this. His character is largely unlikable at the beginning mm. and <laughs> incompetent. He doesn't, yeah. he's no, he's a bad soldier and... Tom Cruise has a tendency to play, even if they're jerks, people who are really good at whatever they do. Yeah. This was, this was different. And he, he gets better, but he starts out as, you know, a klutz. Yeah. My note was, wow, we don't like Tom's character right from the start. What an yeah. odd directorial choice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't end up really liking him all that much. I mean, partially because it's Tom Cruise and there is that baggage that, I'm sorry, you're stuck with because you made it. And it just, we know what's going to happen with this film. It's going to be a film where only Tom Cruise can save the universe. And I'm tired of that. That's all that ever happens. Yeah. So part of me was like, cool. We already kind of, if you have this opinion, I already kind of don't like Tom Cruise. And now you're giving me reasons not to like him yeah. in the film. Okay. What annoyed me, there, there are things about this film. One thing that really annoys me is a trope that comes up in science fiction so much. Mm-hmm. And this is 2014 this was made. This... They should know better. It's the alien race where as long as you kill the one thing, yeah. they all drop dead. Right. Oh, my God, is this overused. Yes. Everybody's a friggin' hive mind. Everybody is a, to, you know, to end invasion, break glass. Yeah. So, uh, and it's, ugh. Well, even Starship Troopers, say what you will about Starship Troopers, the movie, not the book. When they yeah. capture the brain bug, it's not the end of the war. They're like, no, now we helps. know how to fight back. Yeah. Um, which, you know, exactly. Starship Troopers is mindless 
goofy fun. I enjoy the film, whatever. But yeah, that trope, I mean, the Death Star, here's the thing with the Death Star, I actually get it because there are plenty of things. You have to have an exhaust port for heat. You have to dissipate your heat somehow. And if you have it too corkscrewy or whatever, the heat can't get out. So the fact that there might be something that, and I don't care about the, what the hell was it? Was it Rogue One where they're like, I put that in on purpose, whatever. (laughs) I don't care. Um, I don't have a problem with that because, of course, the rest of the ships don't automatically blow up. Now, later in Star Wars, the first, the prequels, it's like, oh, if we take out the ship that's for some reason transmitting the power as opposed to them having batteries, all the army falls asleep. Yeah. Okay. All the army army shuts down. That's a bit much. It's always the, you know, here, you blow up this one thing and the war's over. It just oversimplifies. It makes it too easy and it, it, it's annoying. It's really overused. And it's just, it's too, it's, it's lazy. Let's, let's face it. It's lazy storytelling. Um, FB Paxton. I One of my think favorite performances great. in the movie. Yeah. I think he's great. He is. I love, he has got that smiling. You, I, I have already thought what you're going to try to say to me and I've got a counter for it. Master Sergeant thing down. Great. And it's one of the few times that he's not really FB Paxton. And by FB, yeah. we mean beep, Bill Paxton. Yeah, because Bill Paxton. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's terrific. He is the classic hard ass DI. Yep. Uh, and he has he has some of the great monologues. Some, yeah. You know, you have your chance you have your chance for redemption in death and glory. Oh, I, he, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, really this film revolves you have a little bit of Mad Eye Moody. Um we have Emily Blunt, we have Tom Cruise, and we have more of F.B. Paxton than we have even of some of the ancillary characters that do make it to the end of the film. But it's it's pretty much those characters that run it. And of the three of them, Emily Blunt wins because she just... Now, I, as I said, I become a fan of Emily Blunt. But F.B. Paxton... I know his name's Bill Paxton. Yeah. F.B. Paxton, <laughs> honestly... He pulled this out of nowhere. I've never seen him act like this, and I think he does a great job. I think it's also, sadly, one of his last performances. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then we have, then we do this thing, which to be fair, kind of started with um, Starship Troopers, the book, where we have these space marine archetypes. And then, of course, they did them in the movie, which is fair, but they really did them in Aliens in the movies first. And in Aliens, it worked great because we instantly know who each of these characters are. And they aren't all, the ones in Aliens aren't all stereotypes. No. They they're tropes maybe, but they're not cliches. Sometimes they're uh, they're they're young Jewish people playing uh, Hispanic ladies, but yeah, well, <laughs> there is that. But who doesn't love Vasquez? She's yeah, so Vasquez awesome. Is, it's so cool. Like you, you see Vasquez on screen for like fifteen seconds, and you're like, in battle, I'm going to be, I'm walking behind her. Well, I also love that the biggest guy in the troop, which was Drake, I think, yeah. is her best bud. But you can tell. He, even though he's towers over her, he looks up to her and that's like that, that, and you get that and they, there's no dialogue saying it. It's just the actors and the direction and you just get them in like 10 seconds. And And they they try try to do that in this and it, they come, they kind of start to, but it's such a pale shadow. Well, they do cover all the archetypes. Like, you know, the usual archetype of the fat guy who likes to be naked in his armor. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know I, that I remember one. thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That stuff must chafe like you can't. Yeah, one of them decides he doesn't like to wear the coverall and just goes in naked wearing this metal battle armor against his skin. Yeah, and and it's that's for insane. a butt joke. That's it. Yeah, it's, yeah, because you can see his butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, funny. Also, 
they do that thing. And this happens a lot in both action films in general and science fiction films in particular. We get to the battle, and the first thing that our heroes do is take their helmets off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's even one point where somebody says, why aren't you wearing your helmet to Tom Cruise? And he says, I never wear it. And it's like, okay. Yes, because he's somehow, basically, would you cover this face? Come on. Yes. Yeah, it's really irritating. And every, it happens not just in like science fiction, but in war movies. Because they got to see the face. You got to be able to identify people. Yeah. And uh, Tom Cruise, interestingly, like we, we get some close-ups of him really early on. To me, he looks kind of like a well-read paperback book. It's not as Tom Cruisey as I remember that handsome, shiny. He's, I don't know. They don't something... make him as they don't make him look as good as they can. No, he's looked better in later movies too. I think that's kind of nice. They don't emphasize, yeah. and no one ever brings up how pretty he is. Yeah, which is he is fine. a pretty pretty man, but uh, kinda. Um, but yeah, I, I my note for the helmets was literally all caps helmets through four exclamation points. <laughs> uh, and Emily Blunt loses hers too, and it's like, oh yeah, because we're never going to be able to figure out which one's her. Okay. Yeah, but also Emily Blunt, I gotta say, she carries around a sword, which I, I my note says, ah, she's got a Final Fantasy sword. Yeah, it's exactly the one she has. Yeah, and you know what? It, good for her. <laughs> I just don't Except care. Except they don't make any sense. But anyway. No, but it's, I don't, again. So outsized and so ridiculous. Having seen Emily Blunt and all these things and Mary Poppins, again, I am just delighting in seeing her do anything. She's awesome. She does action She's movies. She's worth she the price of the movies. movie. She, uh, I can't quite <laughs> go there. All right. there's all this other stuff. So um, that's, you know, the, oh, also, um, if you love the color, a kind of an off blue gray, you're going to love this film. <laughs> this is the movie for you because you're getting heaps and heaps of it, especially in the final third where they pour it on with a bucket. Yeah, there's no colors yeah. in, in the future or the past now because it was present day, whatever. So, yeah. yeah. One of the things, there's a plot point in this that really bothers me. Look, mm -hmm. Tom Cruise ends up in the battle Largely because the general, you know, General Mad Eye Moody is doesn't like him. I think sure, and he just declares that he's a deserter and dumps him in with no training. He's going into battle the next day. The guy has no combat training. He used to work in an ad agency. He was in ROTC, and they just promoted him because they needed a face. And they strap him into this obviously very expensive and hard-to-make battle armor and that he can't use and drop him on the battlefield. This seems incredibly dumb. It's, I know this is supposed to, this Operation Downfall is like a, uh, a final push to hopefully defeat the aliens who are beating the crap out of Earth because, you know, all aliens can beat the crap out of us, apparently. Uh, you remember, stuff and reasons. Stuff and reasons. <laughs> It doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, we're going to make you fly one of the planes. We're going to put you in the co-pilot seat. No, we're going to strap this extremely expensive thing on you, and you're just going to die for no reason. It, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> if you wanted to use them, strap some high explosives on him and throw him out of the plane. Use him as a bomb. I okay. I mean, admittedly, I'm a little prejudiced against Mr. Cruz because of mostly because of the roles he's taken. As we've said before, see our previous episode on Magnolia. When he wants to, Tom can actually act, and he does yeah. really well. He does. He just chooses not to, or he chooses to be Tom Cruise in outer space or whatever. Um, 
I didn't mind that the general took that decision, <laughs> especially because no one would tell him how the safety worked and he couldn't actually shoot anybody. Um, and they make him so unlikable from the start that as an audience, we don't seem to really care. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, strategically, it makes no sense. But, I, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I, I also have to say, when they the way they land soldiers on the beach out of the drop ships, yeah. I think they actually found a way that is even dumber than parachuting to get troops onto a battlefield. Mm. We don't do that. We use, that's why anymore we use helicopters. We use troop transports because if you drop someone on a line, it's just oh look a target. Well, now what, what do you mean the, the helicopters land? Yeah. Oh, okay. They I don't drop know. People off. They started. They were doing that since Vietnam. I mean, it, they obviously it, would have probably in this case have been just as safe using those um, amphibious things they used in D Day. Maybe. Uh, you know, oh, sure, it's this big, nice, open metal box you can shoot into, um, but it's no different than this hovering vehicle with which, you know, there's strings coming out of it. Yeah, um, I do want to say one of my notes I have is this sort of, this movie is trying to sort of be full metal jacket meets Groundhog Day meets Starship Troopers. See, I just said Groundhog Day with guns. <laughs> Pretty much. Groundhog yeah. Day with guns and aliens. Yeah. Because he keeps, re every time he's killed... Yeah. He re he wakes up just as he's being dropped off at boot camp when he's waking up at boot camp and getting yelled at. And he realizes this, and as such, he starts getting trained, and he gets more and more training, so we actually get to see him get better and better, but no one else understands why this guy shows up out of nowhere and is suddenly an expert. Mm. I think he handled that really nicely. i got to say this about his performance. He really got across the sense of despair because he keeps going through this day. He keeps trying <laughs> to fix things. He keeps trying to do things smarter and he keeps dying over and over. And by, by the end, he's like, I don't get it. There's no point. Why am I doing this? This is so this is crazy. I'm just going to die. See, I just thought he was reflecting the mood of the audience. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cause I gotta say it. this. A, hmm? Well, I was going to say, so Groundhog Day is the same idea. It's this one yeah. person living through the same day over and over and over again. Except it worked there partially because it was funny. When we see it here, it's one of those cases where I think the director chose to make the audience feel what the characters feel by making them feel how the character feels. It's like, hey, if the character is all worn down and just tired of this whole thing, so will you. <laughs> Like, you do get uh, this feeling of how unbelievably boring it must have been for him to do the same things over and over again, waiting to get to the point where he can do something new. This yeah. movie feels a lot like a video game. Yeah, like, I could say that. Yeah, I, I mean, your that. character goes through all this stuff and dies, and okay, I start the level over. Uh, I've still got my EP, but I lost my equipment. Where's my healing and, potion? Yeah. Where's my horse? Where's my pants? Where's the fire escape? <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the time travel aspect and the mechanics behind it later. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's kind of interesting that he, it's nice that they give him Emily Blunt, largely because this gives her more to do. Yes. And the idea is that she is called the, the Angel of Verdun, which is, by the way, a reference to the Battle of Verdun in World War One, because she got the same ability he did. The ability to jump to at when she died restart, and she figured out how to beat the uh, the aliens that way. 
then she lost that power yeah and has been hoping to find someone else who has it right and we that, and she does yeah um I would like to go back. So you were talking about uh, tropes and things that you're tired of in, in science fiction films. And I would like yeah. to bring up another one. And that's the aliens. I am really, yeah. really, 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 really tired of aliens that are just big, bad, super mega ultra powered monsters that don't seem to have any point at all, except we can't yeah. stop them. Yeah. Okay. These aliens don't, they don't do anything. In fact, they no. describe them. Yeah. They're the perfect invasion force. For what? For what is their, I mean, they just show up around, kill everybody, and then... Kill then anyone what? who gets in the way of them killing everyone? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's no sense that these guys communicate on any kind of level. Okay, they're a hive mind, but okay. to, to what purpose? They also... They don't... They have no vehicles at all. They just seem to burrow, I guess. And <laughs> I couldn't tell... They seem to be able to fire energy weapons, but from where? We, we see, like, blasts in the air. We don't see if they come out of their bodies, if they're actually carrying weapons. I... They don't... They're not... They're really uninteresting. They are. They're just monsters. And there's yeah. no depth to them at all. There's, like, oh, they're... And this, this actually will support your video game, 3. There's the basic monsters. Then there's sort of, like, the level-up monster. And then, they of course, the we're end. aiming for the end boss, which, to yeah. be fair, is basically a... Um, glowing anus under the loop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Another one whatever. of the tropes of the glowing anus. At least this one isn't up in the sky, which seems to be the big thing. That's true. Technically, it is a spanus, which is a space anus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, tired just... of this. I don't want... Like, okay, so we you mentioned V, because it was in the yeah. in the beginning. We, let's talk about bringing V, because we have an invasion film. The aliens are like, look, we don't literally have the firepower to just take over the world. But what we can do is we can disguise ourselves and make pretend that we're friends. And yeah. then once we're ingratiated enough, then we can actually get our plan, which is admittedly to transport water across yeah. the far reaches of space. But still. Yeah, yeah. Because those... not like we went past about eight kajillion tons of it, of ice in the asteroid belt, but right. whatever. Maybe seawater is this particular yeah. We don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter. But but you're right. That's a much more intelligent plot. Well, it's also more interesting because now it's it's a an alien race that has some depth to it. And if I I trying to remember because I think I literally watched it when it came out. Uh, um, I think there was actually more than one of the aliens that actually disagreed with what they were doing. There was there was a fifth column. There were these people who thought that uh, this conquest was a bad idea, and they actually start helping. Uh, the Earthlings. Yeah. Yeah. Th th and there's internal politics and yeah. there's cultural clashes. Yeah. Yeah. It's way more interesting than, ah, kill everybody, die. Well, we talked about this last week with X-Men because it's like, well, you sit there and you listen to what Magneto was saying and it's like, you know, I don't agree with him, but I can see his points. I mean, he's yeah, not wrong. Humans are bashing on the, on the mutants left and right with no thought of, about them being people. I can't disagree with that. And it makes yeah. the conflict a lot more engaging. It and does. I mean, it's the same problem with Independence Day, which is a lot more fun of a movie. Yeah. But the aliens in there, I mean, they said they're locusts. They just come and they use up all the resources of a world and then they leave. Yeah. Like, really? These things are clearly sentient, telepathic, and that's all you got. That's all they do. They don't have any kind of... Uh, religious reasons or cultural or anything no it's just nah we eat everything and then go and eat more things <laughs> yeah you know, it's I... basically we look for things to make us go 
<laughs> they're pack yep. lids. Yeah, they're dangerous <laughs> pack lids, basically. Yeah. yeah, and also because there's this ability to reset the day, they're pretty incompetent because we sit there watching the entire film of them failing. And the only thing that seems to be, I don't even know why they fail because Tom Cruise keeps dying, right? Yeah. So they keep it up. Oh, nope. We didn't do it right. We got to do it again. I, I guess, but it's like, hey. why? Are, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe not to we, mention the fact that the the Omega, you know, the the glowy the the Spanus can. <laughs> that's the other thing. This thing can re can wind time backwards. Yeah. And this is all it does. Yeah. Oh, I'll reset the day so we can do it all over again. What? Well, really? That's all you're going to use this for? Yeah. You have the power of time travel, even if it's over a short period, and all you do is reset? That's Come on. There must have been something more clever you could have done. No. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Apparently not. <laughs> I also say, speaking of those tropes, uh... <sighs> Tom Cruise survives the most ridiculous bits of action ever. And I can't even tell you which one was the one that I found most annoying. Was it it when their plane crashed? Was it when he's underwater for 50 hours? Um, When he falls through the Louvre? I mean, it's one of... Yeah. And I just kept saying every time he would land... Or, I'm sorry, he wouldn't land. Whatever vehicle he had just crashed, although apparently one of them was Emily Blunt doing it. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> as soon as he hit something, I would just say out loud because I was so annoying, I'm okay, I'm okay, yeah. I'm all right. Oh, I was sitting there going, yep, dead. Oh, yeah. dead. And dead again. And this is when he's lost the power to reset. So yeah. he falls through like, I don't know, three stories and lands on concrete. And it's just like, oh, ow, my ribs, I'm okay. He doesn't even have the decency to do the little Kirk thumb across the corner of my mouth <laughs> blood leaking thing, yeah. right? It's yeah, just, that, that's you know, a tad absurd. It there makes are moments. It makes me miss Indy Jones. I <laughs> loved the first Indiana Jones because he gets the crap beaten out of him and it hurts. Yes, it's like, where doesn't it hurt? And he points to his elbow. And it's like, yeah. good for him. You know, and yeah. it's like, we need more, more heroes that we actually believe are doing something heroic. The fact that you fall out of anything above 10 feet and you don't even twist an ankle. <sighs> Whatever. Like, where where is the danger in that? We we don't feel anything because we know that, the, you, oh, I'm holding on to this bomb that blew up. Well, luckily it was aimed away from me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There are um, there are a lot of plot holes in yeah. this. Should we get to really the uh, the time travel? Because people let's are get gonna, to the time travel. They're going to want to know how this works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like we say, the Spanus can reset <laughs> the day, and the Spanus works through its creatures called the Alphas, which are distinguishable because they're larger and they've got blue glowy stuff instead of yellow glowy stuff. Yeah, and apparently, <sighs> the time. Uh, <laughs> The time travel magic is in their, literally in their blood. And the way both Rita and Cage got this power is they, well, he, by accident, she intentionally kill an alpha, and the alpha bleeds on them. Yeah. That's it. And the way they lose the power is they get a blood transfusion. Yeah. That's it. (sighs) You know, in the words of Norman Krasner, Now, I couldn't tell yeah. here. So I, I this was also confusing because I then didn't know, is it Tom Cruise resetting the day or is it the monster and he's just able to perceive it? 
because it neither way does it really make sense. Because if the monster's resetting the day and it doesn't seem to be losing, so I don't know why it's resetting the day, then why is it resetting the day? If it's Tom Cruise, why the heck doesn't he just reset it to a time before where he could actually talk to the general and say, hey, well, by the way, I know you don't like clearly, me, but... He clearly has no control over it. He can only set reset to ex- one exact point. I don't know why it's that point. Yeah. I would have thought, oh, maybe he should reset to the moment he killed the Alpha. Yeah. But no, it's the point where he wakes up in boot camp for some reason. Yeah, just it's the I day before. I get that he can't control that. That's fine. And they, they talk about he's usurped the power, and they they have to stay away from the Alphas because the Alpha will know that he has... Well, the whole point was we can't... If you're going... If you get hurt, you have to die all the way or it won't reset because... Um, oh, right, stuff and reasons. We yeah. discussed that. Yeah, and also it gives him visions. Yeah. The more he uses the ability or the farther along he goes, he starts to be able to, and it's not, I thought it initially when I saw this, like, oh, okay, maybe this means he sees through the, uh, the Spanus, sorry, they call it the Omega, <laughs> the Spanus's eye, the eye of the Spanus, if you will. Look deep into the eye of the Spanus. <laughs> but it's not, he just has visions where he's like going... He's doing like a first-person video shooter, going down corridors and figuring out where the thing is. Although it, yeah. at some at some points, these visions are false. It turns out right. the Spanus is feeding him <laughs> false visions to lead him and lead the other soldiers into a trap. Beware of the false Spanus visions. <laughs> and so when they find, the, they decide they need the MacGuffin that. Uh, General M- Mad-Eye has in his safe for some reason. Yeah, sure, whatever. Which gives him the power to have real visions. I don't know why. Yeah. Then he figures out where the thing really is, and the thing is underneath the Louvre in Paris. I mean, literally yeah. straight below that weird glass pyramid thing that I am pay put up. That is correct. And I, I think that was in there because a lot of French people hate that thing and wanted to see it get blown up. Well, they hated the Eiffel Tower originally, too, so there you go. True, true. But as we all know, it's actually the body of Mary Magdalene that's well, right. She's uh, underneath down there. there. Yeah, so. Yep, yep. We all know that from uh, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the the way he gets the time travel power is problematic. The, <laughs> he gets sprayed on by the Spanish. <laughs> yep, yep. The, <laughs> Uh, I hope the audience seriously. Is a, is I'm laughing because of Spain. I know, I know. I'm laughing because of Spanus. But when you sit there and you have to describe why the time travel physically works in this film, it is that funny because it's like, yeah. oh, I got some stuff on me. Oh, I woke up again. I, huh? Like that's well, oh, whatever. I kind. I the thing I do like is the sort of Groundhog Day version. As Tom Cruise realizes how to use this ability, I mean, at one point he gets in a fight with one of the other soldiers, which obviously he's done many times before. And he says, "I'm." He puts his hands behind his back, says, "I'm closing my eyes now," and he, the guy, can't lay a hand on him because he knows everything the guy is going to do, and he actually, in effect, beats him up without ever touching him. I thought he just Uh, knew that Remo Williams stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He does not know Shinanju. Sorry. Uh, that was kind of cool. And again, like I say, I like this one of the iterations where he, he escapes. He leaves the base. And of course he can escape because he knows where everyone's going to be. And he's just sitting in a bar going, what's the point? We're all going to die. 
Yeah. And he sees the invasion of London. It's like, oh, good, here we go again. Well, just like uh, we saw Bill Murray doing Groundhog Day, except yeah. we actually liked Bill Murray more than we like Tom Cruise. Although we start out disliking him. Bill Murray's character is a real jerk for a good chunk of the movie. Well, and why does it work there and it doesn't work here? And I think it's that baggage. Again, it's like, so, I don't want to see Tom Cruise save the universe again. I've seen it. I think that bothers you more than it bothers me. Yeah, it's Tom possible. Cruise doesn't set off that same kind of visceral dislike in me that uh, he does. I mean, the whole the baggage with uh, the Scientology and the other sort of parts he's played, yeah, I can usually ignore that. I just, it's the ego. Like, he's setting himself up to be this wonderful thing. Like, he wants people to think of him this way. And it's like, you're an actor. And I've seen this role many times. I don't want to see it anymore. I'm done, done. Um, or I thought it was done, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I do we, think it's kind of touching the way he's obviously, you know, fallen in love with Rita, and she wouldn't because each time she meets him, she only knows him for a day, but he's known her <laughs> for, like, God knows how long. Well, he falls in love with her because there's not really any other women in the film, and she doesn't fall in love with him because she actually can tell what kind of person he is. Yeah, she doesn't actually like him that much. but uh, Yeah, at least they don't I have think a sex scene. They don't. I mean, it is kind of touching that he keeps, there's a sequence where he's trying to get her, he's trying to basically trick her into not going with him on the final kill the Spanus mission, <laughs> because he's figured out where it is, and they say, and uh, they do, I have to say, the one thing, the thing I like at the end, like I say, he loses his power. He gets hurt, and he gets a blood transfusion. Right. So he realizes they now only have one more shot. Right. This brings more urgency, because the rest, it's it's like it's like Groundhog Day, where oh, so what if I die? I'll just reset and try it again. Yeah, and we get they get to the points like oh they finally get off the beach. Get, oh, we got it to be yeah. cool. We're making some progress. We're making some progress. Up, oh, we didn't make any progress, and we're starting over again. Now we're going yeah. to London. It's like oh my god, please! It felt like we weren't getting anywhere. Um, so it is, th- that, that part that, is kind of frustrating. That did give us the feeling like no, 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 th- we can't do it anymore. This is it. Except, or do they? Um, we yeah, got to get to our questions. Uh, yeah, let's get to the so, questions, but we do have to talk about the ending. Yeah. yeah. Is, uh, the first question, the repeating question through this series, is this a good use of time travel? I think it is. I, I think it works uh, the same way it does with the Groundhog Day because it's a very limited window of time travel and it does, it does answer the question, can you change the past? And it's a, this movie says, yes, you can. With it, foreknowledge will allow you to change, change what happens. I think it's a really interesting way of doing what he ends up doing, and, and quite honestly, what Bill Murray did, which is a kind of training. Bill Murray trains to be a better human being, <laughs> and actually, he learns how to play piano. piano and, yeah, and you know, if I had to do this over and over again, I'd probably learn a bunch of skills too, not least of which because I was bored because I'd like to be better at some things. Yeah. So that part in itself of what Tom Cruise ends up doing with, I don't even remember his character's name and I don't care. Major Age. Cage, whatever. N- Nicholas Cage Major somehow. Stress. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does make use of something that's given to him because splash, I guess. Um, but the aliens use of time travel is really stupid yeah. because they never actually seem to succeed And it's like, well, what? except they should have succeeded because the only thing that ends up stopping them is Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, mostly Tom Cruise. So if that's the only thing keeping them from succeeding, why does it repeat ever? I don't understand. It makes no sense. 
So did time travel make for a cohesive plot? Yeah, I guess. I mean, they set up the rules fairly straightforward. We, we know the restrictions. Yeah. And yeah, the story is fairly straightforward. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah. I would say up till the ending, which we yeah. will talk about. It, yeah. it, they set up the rules and they don't deviate, thankfully. Admittedly, some of the rules are really dumb, but they don't deviate them. So I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, yeah. Does time travel make sense in this story? Not really. No. Uh, no. I mean, why is there a limit that it only goes back one day? How does that actually work? Are there a lot of these spanuses wandering around the cosmos and they can all... Re- <laughs> what happens when one of them, because time isn't localized, if you reset the day, doesn't that mean you reset the day for the entire universe? Are they screwing each other up by resetting the days at the wrong time? Yeah. It, and it, what, no, the mechanism I don't think it, is literally like lighter fluid or something, yeah, I guess. Yeah, glowy blue stuff. Spanus <laughs> fluid, basically. <laughs> Yuck. (laughs) You heard it there first. Yeah, yeah. And uh, lastly, is the idea of paradox addressed? Not really, but it doesn't need, I don't think it needs to. No. Because it's such a limited scope, paradox doesn't really come into it. No, because he doesn't actually send himself back in time. It's. Well, he he, does. But not to, he doesn't send himself back where there's two of him. So he right. can't literally can't meet himself because he's just living through the same thing. There's only one person. Yeah. So it's not part of the plot, and that's fine. I don't. I, they don't have to address something that's not going to be a part of the plot. So that I don't have a problem with that. The um, the ending is a problem. Uh, all right. Do you want to talk about that or do it during the wrap up? Let's do it during the wrap up. Unless you okay. do you have any more notes that uh, no. That uh, how did they fit those power suits in a car? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> At least she pulled the door off. Good for her. Again, Emily Blunt, I believe in you. If you want to do a Muppet movie where you're actually playing a Muppet, I will watch it. That's fine. Uh, I think she is actually in (laughs) that one of the Muppet. The first first Muppet reboot. I think she plays Miss Piggy's secretary, but I can't remember for sure. Uh, Cool. I, as I said, I'm a fan. So let's get to the roundup. The roundup. So Max. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> Try and get Curse me like you, Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. No, do right. Don't do right. Do wrong. So, Max, did you see this when it came out? I did. I saw it in the theaters. And what did you think at the time, if you remember? I remember walking out going, I'm not sure what I just watched. I didn't know what I was, what I was expecting. I thought some of it, again, I thought Emily Blunt was great, because that was one of the early things I saw her in. And, uh, I thought it was a, it was it held my interest, but I remember thinking, "There's something off about this movie." Yeah. What about you? Do you see it when it came out? Well, real cool. well, I did see it when it came out, yeah. but 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 what is your feeling now? Because this is, I'm sure, the fifth or sixth or eighth time you've seen this, right? <laughs> no, this is the second time I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, there are parts of it I like. I like some, I like Emily Blunt's performance. I like Tom Cruise's performance for most of it. I think there there's some decent acting. I think visually it's kind of interesting as long as you don't try to compare it to anything else because it looks like a lot of other alien invasion movies, you know, like all of them in the last 25 years. Overall, I don't think it works. I, I think it almost does, but I don't think it does. Mm. But it's still, it's entertaining. Yeah. Um, I, I did see when it came out. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. I think that's pretty uh, obvious. <laughs> 
um, I, I do have problems with Tom Cruise that are just personal. And it's like, I don't never met the guy. For all I know that if you deal with him on a one-to-one basis, although two wives would prove me wrong, that he can actually be a decent guy. Do I believe he's actually trying to act it to the best of his ability? Yes. I just think he keeps playing the same part. And I'm tired of seeing him try to make himself look like the most amazing thing ever. I'm just tired of it. Um, even Harrison Ford trips up every once in a while, right? And Sean Connery will do things that make them look silly or or they don't always succeed, whatever. Uh, but the time travel in this just does not make sense. And I got to say, watching Tom Cruise fail over and over again gets wearying. Like, yeah, I got I got to the points where it's just like, oh, please. I mean, there was actually a sigh that it's like, because oh, I oh, we're oh, no, we're not. OK. And I get what they're trying to show us. I just don't need to feel the same way Tom Cruise does. I need to understand how he feels, but I don't need to feel like there's there is no end <laughs> that there's no tomorrow um in a film that really does sound like a a the the title hey. it sounds like a uh, soap opera but whatever yeah yeah um i probably can grant you that there are some moments that he does some decent acting the the part where he, they're they're in france and he's trying to get her not to go on to you know to move on i'm just like why please keep moving keep moving keep moving and you find out the reason it is kind of touching because he's uh. he's he and us are getting tired of this. Um, and of course, as I said, Emily Blunt, I really like. But then there's this ending. And now, the way it initially looks like it's going to end. And it should have ended. Yeah. Emily Blunt, okay, big spoilers here. Emily Blunt gets killed. Cruz mm-hmm. is the last one standing of or course crawling he or whatever. And he grabs he do, he does the whole handful of grenades thing and yeah. swims down deep into the water where the spanus is lurking <laughs> he swims upstream towards the spanus <laughs> he does clearly ready to mate and he deposits his load of fertile grenades <laughs> and it blows up right and it kills him the end and that should have been the end but no he wakes up again. And this time, he's gone back in time another day. Not not just to boot camp, but when he was, he wakes up on a helicopter, he's about to meet General Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. And it turns out, oh, there was a big energy surge and the aliens are, quote, they haven't all died. It's they've, quote, lost their ability to fight. I, I, I don't even know if they all just dropped dead or they just all like, duh, we don't know what to do. And he goes and finds, oh, look, Emily Blunt's alive again, and that's the end. And it's like, wow, you had a chance to do something really dramatic here and, and have that you could show the, the, uh, how this self-centered uh, uh, coward, basically, is willing to make the ultimate sacrifice and, nope, didn't count. Yeah, but also my question is, who... Um... Who blew up the Spanus? Assume he did. How could he have? Oh yes, but then he went back in time to a point he didn't when he do hadn't, it, <laughs> and it was already blown up. So and that all of a sudden the times the the time stream doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense that he goes back farther. I mean, my first I thought like, well, he was inside the Spanus when it <laughs> blew up, and maybe it's magic time juices push him back. <laughs> But then, if that was possible, why did it only work for one day? I mean, they established pretty solidly 
that this whole time travel works resets a day, not two right. days. Right. Well, and he had lost the power. He'd had a blood transfusion, so he didn't yeah. have the power anymore. The spanus, although apparently it is the brains of the operation, so you could call it a sprainus, uh, <laughs> um, dies, so it no longer has the power to reset the day. So the ending literally does not make any sense at all, because he still seems to have the knowledge of having done all this stuff, which somebody else must have done because he's here and it didn't happen. It's just, it's, ugh, it's, it's unnecessary. I would have been happy if they left. I'm sure somebody, some focus group, some yeah. suits said, that's too much of a downer. People won't like it. Um, you could have had like a coda where people are talking about, oh yeah, you know, we don't know what happened, but they're, you know, the aliens are all dead, which kind of bothered me. That would have bothered me a little too. Cause like, oh great. The only people who actually know how to deal with these things, if they come back are dead. And you know, the hero's journey, sometimes the hero's journey leads straight into the spanus and it doesn't yeah. lead out again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sometimes, so, uh, yeah. Sometimes a hero dies and that's the so, way it's supposed to be. Time travel. But Max, if you would do our, our listeners a favor uh, yes. and remind them of the poll question and how they might tell us their answers. If they weren't paying attention, I don't see why I should help out. You didn't I tell assumed them you were all taking notes. But no. <laughs> our, this week's poll question is, what movie do you think should be protected by state, federal, and church law from ever having a remake made of it. You know, what movie do you think should just be enshrined and no one should ever be allowed to remake it? Me, of course, I'm thinking of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. But <laughs> I actually will agree with you, but not for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. But you can answer this. Uh, you can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, where all of our old, old episodes live and mingle freely, able to live a life of religious freedom. <laughs> uh, you can leave a comment there. You can also uh, find us on the medias of socialness on either the Twitter or the Facebook under Max Mike Movies, or Mike tends to post the question himself, uh, and you can respond to us there. Or you can email us directly for extra bumpy bucks at us at maxmikemovies.com. So, Mike, we're mm -hmm. coming to the end of this series. Or are we? It's time travel. We might be coming to the beginning. What are we going to watch next week? Hey, welcome to Max Mike Movies. We're starting a new yeah. series this week. It's called I Forgot How Much I Hate Space Travel. Wait, Time Travel. Space Travel. What? <laughs> uh, reset. Yes, yep, 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 yep. Welcome to Max Mike Movies, and this week we're starting blam, a new series. Blam, blam. <laughs> Wait, I'll get it right. I just have to die one more time. Uh, next week, we will be finishing up I Forgot How Much I Hate Time Travel. With a film that I know you all were expecting us to do, which is why we weren't going to do it. No, that's not reason. Uh, it is, in fact, Back to the Future, because, of course, we, we, we can't hold you over tender hooks for any longer. It is, in fact, Back to the Future, the 1985 film that somehow Max and I missed because we were in Europe at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is probably, when people think of time travel films, at least modern day time travel films, it is the quintessential time travel film. Does it work? Do we just like it enough that we don't pay attention? How does it go against all of our time travel questions? Will it basically fly in the face of our thesis that time travel, when you look at it with any kind of speculation, doesn't really work? Or does it? Only we will know then, having known. Tune in and learn the secrets of the Spanus.
This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.